Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Mr. Denny Carter. We're going to be digging into Denny's seven-round mock draft this afternoon. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Yep. Now we're going to take a spin through this week's latest news for welcoming a points bets head trader, Jay Croucher. Jay's going to tell us about all the action on the first five picks, the quarterback market, the receiver market, so much more. But first, Denny... You know, I know some of our other friends in the industry. I didn't tell you what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, you didn't. I know some of our other Very. friends in the industry have this talk, this market cornered already. But uh, so, yeah, I spent most of the morning mowing my lawn and, you know, getting out my leaf blower, which is very good for the environment. Didn't nice. trim today. I think yeah. I'm like one of the only people in my neighborhood who doesn't trim. But as I say, are you a lawnmower? I think we've probably talked to this before, but I can't remember. Would you be caught dead mowing your lawn? Or does that require a level of testosterone that just does not course through your body? I, I could always pop some some tea supplements and and uh, and, and mow the lawn, but I, I, I have no desire to do so. Uh, I, you know, a humble brag, my lawn is is really too too big right now to to <laughs> mow i mean i would need a i would need a riding mower yeah get a riding lawn mower I mean, and, and i'm not and i'm definitely not going to do that so i pay someone to cut it every other week and then of course you know the grass grows so fast in the spring hey, every, every other week, week. my every god week, man yeah it means that that it looks like the amazon jungle by the time they come back so you have a nature preserve in your yard basically i mean it's it's not a it's not a small yard. That's the thing. Like, uh, you know, we used to live in a townhouse and I bought a lawnmower and I would mow that little tiny postage stamp size lawn uh, every every fourth or fifth day in the summer. I'm really proud of it. Really proud of my work. I'm not doing it for the for the for the large one. I'm not even going to make my kids do it when they get old. enough. And you spotted like any what cougars or mountain lions out there in the savannah? There um, are foxes and I'm I'm a little freaked out. There are hawks. You know, you never know when a hawk's going to swoop down on you and, you know, pick pick you up, pick up my dog. Really, that's what I'm scared of. Well, and maybe you. I mean, it can sense low T. I mean, well, you can't weigh more than 120, 130 pounds. No, I. What I've done is I I've gained a lot of weight in order to be impossible to lift. (laughs) You know, that's that. 
that was the goal with, with that maneuver. <laughs> the impossible for the local Hawk gang. Yeah, I mean, the gang, they've been eyeing you up forever, but they know that, yeah, he's put on too much bulk. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, the winter was rough on that one. Yeah, oh. The tea levels were good for us, but, yeah, the overall heft is just not. So, so how do you feel? How do you feel after you cut the, cut the lawn? I like it, but so yeah, a weird thing I have going on when I when I cut my lawn is that uh, I I began so when COVID came around. I don't know if you heard about this, the coronavirus, the COVID nineteen pandemic. I heard about it. I heard about it through um, the grapevine. Yeah, I bought medical masks for the first time, and when I mow my grass, like I would come in and just be like sneezing and hacking, like just sneezing and coughing like the rest of the day. And I had always thought, like, man, I really need to, like, wear a mask when I mm -hmm. mow my lawn. But I had just never bothered with it. And then when this pandemic started, I had some masks. So I finally started wearing a mask when I mow my lawn, and I still do. And But now, like, I, it makes me feel like a pariah. Like, I don't want my neighbors to think, like, there's the COVID freak yeah. mowing his grass, like, masking up while he's mowing his lawn. Absolutely. And I want to, like, stop every passing car and, like, pull down my mask. It's just because of my allergies. Yeah, excuse me. I know I can't get COVID from my lawnmower. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, this is a, this is an allergy thing. I mean, you, you, you could have protesters on your lawn. So I know uh, if you, lawnmower. like, when, I know that if you walk by my house and cough, it's not going to give me COVID. But, man, I'll tell you what, if you have allergies... And you haven't been wearing a mask when you mow your lawn. I couldn't recommend it more because now great... I come in and don't cough. Mm -hmm. and... That sounds like a sensible thing to do. I I, I do take no pleasure in, in saying that you're in danger of the Freedom Convoy uh, riding by your house and saying, oh, yeah, oh, no, hey, fine. stop with that. Stop. But I took off a mask. I explained it to them, actually. The mask <laughs> does get very hot in the summer, I will say. And there's been a few times where... You know, so I have a Denny, I have a question. Do you think it's better in the summer when you're doing yard work to wear shorts or pants? Oh, you got to wear pants. Okay, I was wondering if I, I feel like you've got to wear pants. Got you, you there's no there's no choice. Things are bouncing around, you know, sticks, rocks shooting at your legs. I I, I actually if if we if we have just a moment, I, I have a story about that when I when we lived in the townhouse, we had the little yard. My son said and he was like 3 3 years old at the time. My son said, "Dad, can I come out and watch you?" mow the grass i said okay sure i said put, put on some pants he said no i'm not, not putting on pants i said okay i'm telling you within 10 seconds of me starting the lawnmower a little pebble shot out and hit his shin and it was as if he it, it was as if he had lost his leg you know and and, and uh <laughs> it was the screaming the, the bloody screaming and your son and, has uh, been to Nam. And yeah, right. <laughs> I think that that's actually proven it. And, and I, and I said, I, you know, I told, I told you so, but let's go get this fixed up. Anyway, the, the point is wear pants when you do yard work. I didn't realize the pants thing until I was 19. I spent a summer working for the St. Charles County parks department and the dress code was like, you had to wear pants. And I was like, I'm going to die. Yeah. And it was like a really, really hot summer in St. Louis that year, like crazily hot. But I, immediately really came around the pants not just for like leg protection issues but i think it actually more evenly distributes the sweat when mm. you're wearing pants i've discovered like my body sweats more evenly so you may think like you're being a tough man by like, wearing the shorts and you mow the lawn but it needs to be pants it really right. does need to be pants for it, a variety it, of reasons either way you're, you you cannot avoid the butt sweat that's one thing no no i mean you know that's, that's we live in a continental climate like what we i think maryland and missouri are both like mid-continent humid like we get Very to dash humid and our continent types and boy 
My God. I, I, I don't I don't have many pictures of me playing softball, uh, but every one of them and in, in every one of them, I am my my butt is completely drenched in sweat. Of course, it's obviously. A, it's embarrassing. It makes them unpostable. I can't I can't yeah. post them. But we've become we've become we have Stockholm syndrome with the, the humidity because when you and I were in Los Angeles, we were like down no. on our knees praying, just like five percent more humidity, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, God. It was so dry. Oh, we need how, more humidity. How how do West Coasters handle that? My my hands look look like the hands of an eighty five year old man. No, by it the was crazy. Show. Yeah, it looked like I had grayscale. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like and. The, I would do anything for five percent more humidity right now. Yes, yes, it was is actually a, an issue. Grayscale, by the way, the Zoomers won't know. And they won't from, a, from an old HBO show called Game of Thrones. So we, we held each other trying to generate heat, and that didn't that didn't work. No, it didn't work. Denny, this week, Chiefs coach Andy Reid claimed the offense would quote not be significantly different without Tyreek Hill, and that the team has quote a lot of confidence in what Michael Hardman can do. Patrick Mahomes proceeded to talk up Hardman on Tuesday. It's like, are we even remotely buying this? Like, had, had Tyreek Hill become a system player for the Chiefs? And can we possibly, possibly go down the Miko Hardman road again? That's a, that's a good way to, to, to put it. I, I think, did he become a system player? Because really, in 2019, 2020, even 2018, Tyreek Hill was certainly anything but a system player he was not a system player then no he was blowing off that the, the roof off of every single secondary that they faced no one could keep up with him he you know he dominated in both yards after the catch and uh yards per target and a dot just yards per route run it just it all lined up to like a like sort of like a cooper cup ish type production from last year uh is what tyreek hill had before the kansas city offense reverted to sort of a dink and dunk approach to to combat the evil uh, to high safety defense that they faced throughout last year. And that turned Tyreek Hill into a completely different fantasy producer. I think that Nicole Hardman has a better chance at replacing that sort of production than he, than he ever did at replacing the production from 2018 through 2020. Which, of course, is why they signed Marquez Valdez-Scantling and... The Chiefs basically seem to be taking a money ball, money ball approach to replacing Tyree Kill, which you may or may not remember from the book or the movie. They lose G- Jason Giambi. You know, he has like a 400 OBP, blah, blah, blah. Instead of, you know, the, the Oakland A's, they can't afford another 400 OBP player, so they're going to try to recreate it through like two or three different players, essentially. And that's kind of what the Chiefs are doing, maybe more underneath Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah. Nicole Hardman, who can kind of do a little bit of both can do like the manufactured gadget touches and in theory can still make plays deep. And then of course, Marcos Valdez Scantling, who they hope to replace the deep element uh, and did a little more underneath work for the Packers last year, but it is weird. I mean, it's a, maybe it's just cause it's April 19th, but I mean, the chiefs did a far superior job of renovating their post superstar receiver core than the green Bay Packers have. Yeah. Where I look at the chiefs receiver core and, you can't really ever say a receiver core that lost Tyreek Hill is going to be better without Tyreek Hill. But, like, I don't look at this Chiefs receiver core and be like, oh, man, this is going to be a reason they can't compete in this division anymore. Like, it still just looks fine to me. Someone pointed out, several people pointed out on Twitter today that Nicole Hardman only has one 100-yard performance in his career. That happened to come last year in Week 18 against Denver when, as you might remember, Tyreek Hill uh, missed the game 
with a, a heel injury he suffered while making an amazing leaping grab in pregame warmups. I was going to say, are you going to mention that this was in pregame warmups? It was. It was upsetting to many of us, and, but he missed the game, and Hardman stepped in. And here's and here's what happened. Okay, uh, and and just just hear me out. It's a one game sample, I know, but this is what we're going on in the one game where Hardman actually kind of replaced Tyreek Hill in the current iteration of the Kansas City offense. So Hardman ran a route on 88% of Patrick Mahomes dropbacks. That was the highest rate in the KC offense. He was targeted on 22% of his routes. That's higher than his 19% target per route run rate on the season. And here's the best news. I know this doesn't sound like great news because these are not big numbers, but they're the best news because I think that he can he has a better chance of replacing this sort of production and repeating it. Nicole Hardman that day against the Broncos had an A dot average depth, depth of target of 2.1 and just 21 air yards. 99 of his 103 yards came after the catch. He led the entire NFL in yards after the catch that week. So I, I think, I think I'm a little bit excited. Sounds like you're using a seventh or eighth round pick on Nicole Hardman, Denny. Um, oh, it's, a, it's a fifth. You know. <laughs> no, would you rather? Would you rather have so Michael Hartman, by the way, in three of the Chiefs' final five games, had at least one forty-yard catch for what it's worth. So he was actually finally. Some of those were probably yak jobs. I bet uh, catch and runs. Yeah, but maybe just maybe he can actually replace some of that. Who would you rather? Draw? I don't know anything about their current best ball ADPs or anything. Uh, who would you rather have on your teams in 2022, Miko Hardman or MVS? Well, I, I think I think the role that Hardman is likely uh, to absorb uh, would provide more consistent, repeatable production than than the role that MVS would assume in the in the Kansas City offense, which would be you know some some big downfield plays like he had with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, but not a ton. Uh, of of anything else. Uh, now, I'm not saying that it's impossible that MVS takes on a, a different a different sort of role, but Hardman showed what he can do with those kind of short near the line of scrimmage targets. And and pa- by the way, Patrick Mahomes in his comments this week about Hardman, you know, said that he said he's great with the ball in his hands. Uh, he he's fast. He knows what he's doing with the ball in his hands. He, it seems like Mahomes was saying, "I like." that role for him. Now the communication between those two on those downfield passes has traditionally been horrific. Okay. I think back to the Super Bowl against the Bucks when Mahomes missed Hardman on a bad route early in the game and never looked to Hardman the rest of the game. So, so I, 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 I do, I, I have some hope for that Hardman can take on that, that short uh, intermediate kind of role. I will say quarterbacks say a lot of things in April. And Michael Hardman is kind of like if you're trying to create a player in a lab to get talked about in April or May, yeah, it kind of be Michael as you know has been the case every year of his NFL career essentially. Yeah, but and, but wait, now the the issue here, the difference is Tyreek's gone. It's yeah. 25, 26 percent of the targets are vacated. Like, yeah, we have to take that into account. I will say, I think I would rather have MVS. You make the interesting point that it'll be more repeatable with Michael Hardman, but. MVS though, like when he hits, like it's a week winner. Yeah, sure. You know, usually, like it's a 70, 75 yard touchdown, and he he's this, like he'll give you some zeros. So, but I I don't know if Michael Hardman could ever be more than just like a true back end wide receiver four. Whereas 
there's going to be weeks where you get a 0.0 from MVS, and there's going to be weeks where you get a wide receiver one week from MVS. And for that reason, you might lean into the volatility with MVS. And I just don't know if I can ever go back there with Miko Hart. I mean, that's that's like classic like fish fantasy behavior, but I mean, come on, man. Well, really? and listen, uh, uh, you're, you're right. I mean, every year I, I like Hardman in, in best ball, but I like him for a different reason th- this year than – I, I have this year. In it's other not, words, you're starting to sound like the the, the revived Tobias Funke Arrested Development meme on Twitter, but but it could work for us. Um, after he says it never works. Listen, Pat, what you're not considering is that this time it counts. Exactly, that's my favorite phrase ever. <laughs> this time it counts. It is interesting, Michael Hardman, and I mean it wouldn't be. I mean these things do happen. He's stuck around in the NFL. He's kept a role in the offense for this song. It's not like it's like unprecedented in NFL history that a guy is like a fourth or fifth year breakout. Oh, yeah. And the opportunity is very much there. So there's going to be a lot of Michael Hardman talk this summer. I don't necessarily know if I'll buy into it, but I, I can't like condemn it, condemn it and say it's crazy. So well, yeah, thank we're, you. It's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just not, Denny said something not crazy. I mean, I, I, thank you for not condemning me. Is yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, even though I should have, you don't mow your own lawn. It's just very good. You know, when you work from home, you need reasons to get outside that's the one reason I'm on my own. I, ha- I haven't been outside since August. That's that's not true. You were on the phone with me outside yesterday. <laughs> it was just, horrible. It was blew horrible. the lid off of this. Uh-huh. You were taking a walk. Don't lie to the people. I was. Denny, AJ Brown and Debo Samuel have both stoked the trade talk flames as they lobby for new contracts. I don't. I know they're posting. Have any of them like deleted? They're so all mentions to their teams yet on social media. I, I believe both guys have done that. Wow, I didn't know if it had gone that far. I mean, is there any chance one of these guys is actually traded? What what would be the more seismic move? Debo Samuel on the move or AJ Brown on the move? Also, but we're not gonna do we? We don't really think this is gonna happen, right? No, 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 no. I mean, John Robinson, the general manager of the Titans, has said like at least three times this spring that there's no world in which AJ Brown is going to be dealt, and I, you have to believe it because the Titans have to, at some point, if they're not already doing this, they should have been doing this three years ago, but are, have to look toward a post Derrick Henry future for their offense. Like Derrick Henry is susceptible to age and injuries like any other human, like we saw last year, um, and will one day break down and they will be left with AJ Brown as the unquestioned centerpiece for the Tennessee offense. So you, you, you have to believe that they're going to lock him up long term. And it'll probably be a huge contract because of the wide receiver market, you know, going, going bananas over the past two months. I will. So I don't think either player is going to get traded, uh, obviously. But I do think I do think it would be more realistic with A.J. Brown just for a few reasons. One, you know, he's been kind of injury prone early in his career, whatever that means. Like he's a 24 year old who already requires like frequent maintenance days. Um you know, this is a run-based offense, of course. Right. right. Um, but it's more just like, I mean, Debo Samuel, like, is inseparable basically from Kyle Shanahan. Like, Kyle Shanahan has found like his like lab-created player in Debo, and I, I think there's yeah, I mean, quite literally no scenario where the 49ers would ever ever trade Debo Samuel. And I, I do think there's it's while it's extremely remote, I wouldn't say there's zero scenario in which the Titans trade Adrian. Again, it's very very remote. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I truly believe there's no chance Debo Samuel will be traded. Or AJ Brown, it's not like I wouldn't like fall out of my chair. Basically, I would, I would. Kyle Shanahan, uh, you're right. He does. He 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 found a receiver who doesn't have to catch passes in order to be productive, and that's really the Shanahanian dream. Yes, you know, come <laughs> yes. true. So he, you, neither guy is going anywhere. But hey, get this, uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, right now is scheduled to make less money this year than Jamal Agnew. Wow. What about Braxton Berrios? He's probably making less than Braxton Berrios. Berrios is making significantly more than Debo Yeah, that needs to be fixed. Um, But like, I think the the 49ers actually have done a pretty good job of, they're one of the better, like, take care of their guys, franchises, where the Titans kind of become prickly pears uh, a little quickly. With some of these folks, you know, they cut a first rounder after like, uh, you know, like yeah. ten months. But that that uh, seemed justified. Yeah, that but. that was a you know slightly different. I I you know AJ Brown's injury history is is not nothing. You know, like no, it's I mean, it's not good when you're 24 and like he's getting like 30 year old maintenance days, like where he like basically doesn't practice, and that's been for like two seasons running now. Yeah, where he doesn't practice, that seems like maybe like a little bit of like. Jay Ajayi knee or something oh boy. going on there. The Zoomers, yeah, again, won't know who well, that is. if that if that's the case, then they they need to consider a deal. I think. Yeah, yes, consider a deal. <laughs> Denny ESPN's Jeremy Fowler has reported that Trey Lance has received indications, quote unquote, from the 49ers that he'll be the starter, even if Jimmy Garoppolo remains on the roster. Man. Would we be comfortable going all in on Trey Lance and fantasy if Jimmy G's ghost kind of looms, kind of remains in town, or? Can we just could we put Jimmy G out of sight, out of mind if Trey Lance is anointed the starter, say heading into tra- training camp? I, I I see no way that I can go all in on Trey Lance as far as long as Jimmy G's on that roster. I mean, Shanahan, talk about guys Shanahan loves. He loves Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it, it's he a does. it's a win now situation for the 49ers. It's a win now roster. You know, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported a couple months ago that Trey Lance is considered a little bit green, a little bit un- undeveloped as a as a passer in, in, for NFL purposes. Um, Garoppolo. Wait, I mean, spoiler alert: true. If you it, saw his limited playing time, last yeah, man. Year. I mean, it, yes, yes. I think that there were a lot of red flags in his game last year, um, both from a, a film standpoint and from you know an analytic standpoint. And, and and Garoppolo does exactly what the Niners need and want him to do, which is to hit guys in stride on sh- on short intermediate routes and let them do the, the the dirty work, right? And you know, can Lance do that I, as well as Jimmy G? No, he can't right now. They probably don't want Jimmy G to single handedly lose NFC Championship game appearances. No, no that might be not nice. be part of his purview as quarterback of the San Francisco Four, but. Uh, the Trey Lance we saw last year, he certainly seemed capable of single-handedly losing a playoff game as oh. well. Um, yes. I, it's a weird situation. I don't know what happened there, but Kyle Shanahan seemed like he had big-time remorse like almost immediately about that pick. And There's no doubt about that. Like He, he got bullied out of Mac Jones. Yes. He wanted Mac Jones, and then every single time you and I quote tweeted something with Lowell, like about the 49er, like that was like a dagger in his heart. And then he went and took Trey Lance where the end, he basically was internet mobbed, internet shamed into drafting yeah. Trey Lance instead uh, of Mac Jones. 
Trey Lance, you should thank Fantasy Football Twitter for getting you to San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. so, or, may, or maybe don't thank us because it sounds like it might be terrible for you. Yeah, he just <laughs> Shani just seemed in his feelings about that one from the jump. So. Well, he he wanted he wanted a baby Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's yeah. what Mac Jones would. He just looked in the mirror like you should have been strong, Kyle. You yeah, should have been strong, yes. Mac Jones. Um, but yeah, it's got Trey Lance, but, and he—I mean—he basically has to start. J- j- um, just to just to back up some the thing I said earlier about Jimmy G doing exactly what Shanahan wants him to do. No, only Joe Burrow was was better on throws of eleven to nineteen yards last year than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is very good at those at those short little passes—not short little passes, but intermediate type passes. The long ball, not very good, but and and, and he doesn't avoid sacks or anything, but. You know, that that's what he wants. Trey Lance is not really built for that. They would have to really Shanahan would really have to tweak his offense to to fit Trey Lance. I don't know if Shanahan is that kind of guy. We would have to be Larry, by the way, just like a little like Tua Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I I would probably be comfortable going all in on dual threat training because once teams make the move, they kind of make the move. But like you said, he just loves Jimmy G and we could have a little bit of a reprise of Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick on our hands. If Jimmy, well, first, yeah, I mean, where's Jimmy Robble going to go? Yeah, I mean, he, is, he does have nowhere to go at this point. Well, not so, yet, but, you know, training camp, I, I think that there would be a, a market at some point with injuries or whether guys are just looking terrible in camp. I think that that that, that something would, would pop up where the Niners could say, okay, well, we, we have this guy. You want him? There's just a couple, two, three Jimmy Garoppolo's out there, though, right now, and – I would, I would honestly, I think I'd rather have Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, I wish that I probably shouldn't say that out loud. I think yeah, I'd rather have yeah. Baker Mayfield. Than it, it's close. It's close. I mean, Mayfield was really solid in 2020. It, you know, he, he shouldn't have, here's the thing. He shouldn't have played with a torn labrum last year. It, it ruined everything for him career wise. Yeah, you, you can't like really get the mail when you have a torn labrum. And, right. No one looked at that and said, well, he's, you know what? He's tough. He's a team player. We want him. No one. They just saw his performance. Says, "Dear God, we yeah. we can't have this guy." Zoomers should look up what getting the mail is. By the way, <laughs> we will be right back after this with points bets. Jay Croucher. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The 2022 MLB season is underway, and NBC Sports Edge is giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASIS22. Get expert insight and access to tools that will give you an edge 
against your competition at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BASIS22 at checkout to save big this season. We would now love to welcome in PointsBets head trader Jay Croucher. You can find him coiffed and ready on Twitter at CroucherJD. He has very, very good hair. That's why I said that. As well as all over NBC Sports Edge's Bet the Edge. Jay, how are we doing? Who will the number one overall pick be, and why is it Blake Bortles? <laughs> Quite an intro. Quite an intro there, Pat. Sorry. Yeah, like yeah sorry. I threw a lot at you there. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Let's just settle on how you doing. I'm doing well, though. This is, from a football perspective, kind of the messiest couple of weeks of the year. Like, I, I hate the draft. I really hate it. It's so <laughs> difficult to price. These markets move all over the place. And as opposed to, you know, with uh, the Super Bowl, you can very easily, you know, price the difference between the two teams. I think the Rams are four and a half, better, four and a half points better than the Bengals. But with the first pick, it's like a Russell Crowe espionage movie where you're trying to decipher, like, what's real, what's not, you know, who is reporting what, what's to be trusted. And the favorite for the number one pick has flipped so much where, you know, it was it was Evan Neal for a long time, then it was Icky, then it was uh, Aiden Hutchinson, now Trayvon Walker is making this huge move, which I don't really understand, but uh, this does seem to be a lot of smoke around that. So, yeah, just trying to get through the next two weeks, really. Yeah, you said it's the messiest couple weeks of the year, and there's just no doubt this is the messiest draft to, like, to like game out, probably since the Eric Fisher, like Luke Jokel year, which, of course involved the Jacksonville Jaguars at number two, but was, I think it was 2013 and there just hasn't been any year like this since then where there's just no feel whatsoever for what is going on at the top of the draft. Not even just the number one pick. I mean, we don't even know what the lions are going to do at number two. So I'll just ask you, yeah, about the number one pick. I mean, how in the world are you guys like setting the market there? Quote unquote, like, who do you actually think is the favorite? Who do the markets say is the actual favorite right now? And, just yeah, expand a little bit on what in the world you think is going on at number one. Yeah, so right now we have Aiden Hutchinson as the favorite. He's minus 225. He has drifted a little bit, though, where he was a bigger favorite, particularly you know after, after the Jags uh, franchise Robinson to solidify their offensive line um, a little bit, pushing them towards drafting an edge rusher. So we thought that that would just be Hutchinson because he's the best prospect in the draft you know, in that position group. But now there's been this huge push for Trayvon Walker after he tested off the charts. Uh, so he's come in now to the second favorite. We think that at this point, it is basically between Hutchinson and Walker. The odds of them going for Icky or for Neil have drifted, you know, well past 10 to 1 at this point. So, I mean, really, we're just trading off of, you know, the sharp bettors who are betting, who will probably have a little bit of information. We're going off of the most reputable mock drafts that we can find and all the info that's reported. But it really is a guessing game. And honestly, like for something like the draft, we just hope to break even because there's so much happening. There are so many markets out there. There's so much demand for it. It's honestly, it's more of a content thing than a... Uh, really a bookmaking trading thing and so we just really want to get out of it alive last year was a last year was a total disaster where i was looking at and last year was a simpler draft in a way because you knew lawrence was going one you knew wilson was going two and then the draft started at three but the morning of the draft i was looking at our number three pick market and it was like well we lose a lot of money if 
Lance goes three, we lose a lot of money if Jones goes three, and we lose a lot of money if Fields goes three. So mm-hmm. it was just uh, that's but that's kind of the nature of the beast. Um, so hoping that there are some surprises and that Walker doesn't actually go one. He's our worst result at number one. Uh, and then after that, hoping that some of the quarterbacks drift as well. Well, Denny's going to lay some big money on Walker right now. <laughs> yeah. I'll, that, be, uh, I'll be right back. Yeah. So, I mean, your job, obviously, you want to be like highly clinical in your approach. So I'm going to ask you then, what is your gut feel and who actually goes number one? My gut feel is that it's Hutchinson. I just don't understand the Walker push. I don't, it's just come, it's come so late in the piece. And it's difficult to have much confidence in, in anything around that. But I think you just have to go to, you know, the fact that it does seem highly likely that the Jags are going edge rusher. And for so long now, Hutchinson has been the guy at that position. And so we just have to kind of trust that. And, you know, it does seem that there is some skepticism um, in informed NFL circles as to how real this Walker thing is, whether the Jags are using that to try and create some sort of leverage if they're looking for a trade. But look, it's a bit of a mess. It is much easier when you just have Trevor Lawrence as minus 5,000 to go number one, and then you can <laughs> yeah. kind of just go from there. Uh, but still, you know, we're getting pretty close now, and there's still no decisive favorite. Um, but maybe that'll change in, in the next few days. What about at number two? Are you in the industry at large buying the possibility that it might actually be Malik Willis uh, second to the Lions? Or is that kind of just more like a mock draft parlor game? And do you lend any real credence to that? That Because, I mean, that would be – it seems much more likely the Lions go quarterback at number 32 than number two. But just basically, are you lending any credence to that? And what are you doing with, with the market on that one? Yeah, so number two is a mess as well. So I think that what is simplest is if if Walker does go one, then I think Hutchinson is basically a lock to go two because of his ties to the Lions or ties to Michigan, just you know what they need, the fact that they've gone offensive tackle recently and the fact that there isn't an elite quarterback in the class. It just makes so much sense for them to take Hutchinson at two. If Hutchinson goes one, then it's kind of anyone's guess. I do think that... You know, we do we offer a market on you know who will draft Malik Willis, and right now the Lions are favourite for that. They're plus two seventy five though, which means that even though they are favourite, still don't think it's very likely that they draft Malik Willis. Uh, plus two seventy five means we think that there's a bit better than a twenty five percent chance that they draft Willis, uh, which is you know not not that high, uh, but certainly within the realms of possibility. Uh, it is all. Uh, yeah, it's very uncertain at this point. And I think a lot of what Detroit and then the teams after them do is going to be a domino effect from what happens at number one. Jay, uh, do you have any uh, really good feel on anything in the top five? Are there any teams or team needs that really jump out to you as as, uh, as not not a lock, but maybe maybe something you feel more confident in than, than the other picks in those top five? Yeah, I think a, a couple of things that have emerged is that I think one of the big changes has been around the first offensive lineman off the board. And that was looking like Evan Neal for a long time. I think that has now flipped where Ekema uh, Kwonu is now the guy in that spot. We make him minus 140 to be the first uh, offensive lineman off the board. And so I think that, you know, it's very likely that there is a, an offensive lineman who goes in those first five picks. And I think a Kwonu will be the first one 
in that spot. Again, minus 140 is, is not a lock. It's not minus 5,000. So there could still be some movement there, but that would probably be the only real thing that I feel good about in the top five outside of, I think it's highly unlikely that Aiden Hutchinson falls past two. I yeah. think that he's one, he's very likely to go one. And then if he doesn't, I'd be shocked if the Lions didn't take him second. Yeah, Dan Campbell. Oh, well, a lot of head coaches have talked up a lot of a lot of players, but Dan Campbell seems to be head over heels for him. <laughs> and next question has to do with with quarterbacks. So, you know, in your estimation, after looking at this for so long, it seems like we've been in draft season for eighteen months now. At a minimum. Yeah, right. Which quarterback do you think goes first, and who selects Willis or Pickett? So Willis, we make the favorite right now to be the first quarterback drafted. He's minus 155 in that market. Pickett is the second favorite at plus 135. So think that Willis is at this point the superior prospect, has the higher upside, uh, and think that he will be the first quarterback taken, although that has drifted a little bit. He was a bigger favorite a couple of weeks ago uh, in that mm-hmm. spot. So, And as to who takes him, I mean... Right now we have the Lions favorite, but like I said, that's not anywhere near a lock. And then the Panthers, the Steelers, who have been linked to him as well, and then the Falcons and the Seahawks are also in that mix. So I think that Willis will be the first one, but you know, you might see a team trading up, or you might just not see any quarterbacks taken for for quite a while in the draft. And then the other big mover in that market, and and one guy to watch is Desmond Ritter, who was forty to one to be the first quarterback taken. Now he's ten to one, and I think wow. that. You know, in these types of markets, when you're looking for, I guess, long shots to win, you want weakness at the top and you want a lot of variance. I don't think anyone is super in love with Willis or Pickett. So maybe a team could talk themselves into Desmond Ritter and him being the first quarterback off the board. Definitely not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, maybe there could be some like Christian Ponder energy there with Desmond Ritter where there's just like some team that unbeknownst the rest of the league is just totally in love with this guy and like you said, with so much uncertainty of the board, like what even is the board this year at quarterback? Maybe a team just goes totally off board and makes Desmond Ritter the first score. I could actually, yeah, that's a really interesting point about just maybe lean into the volatility there at quarterback. Well, we have we have nine days left, right? And and a, a lot a lot happens in nine days. A lot happens in the in the final two or three days before the draft, where guys that. You, you thought were kind of locked into, you know, mid first round, late first round, suddenly they're being talked up as a top 10 pick, top five even. So I could see Ritter, I could see Ritter gaining ahead of steam, you know, in the next week. Absolutely. And it's weird. Like, we're so, so the moves at the top of the draft, those happened far out. Like last year, like the 49ers getting a number three pick, that was like traditional. This, everything about this draft is so weird, right down to the Saints, yeah. like making their move. And the teens, like a month before the draft, like why do that? Like why like tip your hand basically so aggressively? Like they clearly they want a quarterback bad. And I thought that was very strange to like make a move that felt more like a draft week move to me, like a month before the draft. And Jay, you mentioned Malik Willis. Did you mention the Steelers with Malik Willis? I think you did. Yes. Like the Steelers, talk about a team that's gotta get better at like hiding their intentions. Whereas like last year, everyone knew for like six months they were going to draft Najee Harris. Would you say the connection is that level with Malik Willis or is it, is the smoke as strong with the Steelers and Malik Willis as it was with the Steelers and Najee Harris? 
Not quite that strong because that was extremely strong. This is a few degrees less than that. But at the same time, like we make the Steelers the second most likely team to draft Willis at plus 350, which is tied with the Panthers just sitting behind the Lions. I think there is an element of will he fall to the Steelers? Will he be off the board before then? Probably not, but but who knows on that front. Uh, so, yeah, it's a bit of a mess. Obviously, the Steelers need to do something at quarterback. I don't think they can be totally happy with their situation right now. They still have, you know, an, enough talent that they should be able to, you know, to be an impact team if they can, you know, get an impact quarterback. But I'm not sure Malik Willis in, in year one is that guy either. So you talk about Desmond Ritter maybe being like a surprise first QB off the board. Not you're saying that, that that's most likely. You quite literally said it was going to be a surprise. But just with that much uncertainty at quarterback, how many quarterbacks do you guys actually expect to go in the first round? And I mean, I know you might not be super confident in that number, but this, what is your best guess at how many quarterbacks will actually go in the first round? So right now we've got the over-under two and a half, and that will largely, I think, hinge on Ritter, where we expect that Willis will go in the first round, Kenny Pickett will go in the first round, and then Ritter is probably the swing piece there. Maybe Matt Corral as well can get into that mix, but... It's really at that point, you're just trying to assess teams, particularly in the, the back end of the first round. Like, do they have a need? Do they want to have a, a project if, they're, if they have an incumbent? But it is the, probably, it's the strangest year in a long time for quarterbacks because so many of the recent seasons, these drafts have been shaped by quarterbacks who are locks to go in the top two or three. And now we're talking about, yeah, Desmond Ritter, will, will he go in the first round or will he be the first quarterback off the board? Uh, so it's pretty unique in that sense. Yeah, Desmond Ritter, will he be in the first round or will he be the next Ryan Nassib where he's like in the fourth round or something? <laughs> Denny, sorry, you looked like you wanted to say something. Yeah, yeah I, I like I know, you know, two, two and a half sounds right to me. I, I would go over two and a half in the first round because I think there are too many teams and too many coaches who need to hit on a quarterback on a long-term answer at quarterback. I mean, I'm thinking primarily of the Panthers, who are almost a, a, a lock for some quarterback. Uh, but, you know, they, I, I think that they're, even though it's a weak, you know, supposedly and, and reportedly a, a weak class uh, on a lot of positions, especially quarterback, I, I don't think that that will stop teams from saying, look, we, we have to. We have to take a shot on this guy. We can't wait till next year. Teams, you know, NFL ownership generally is not that patient. Like, they're, they're not going to say – you know what? You can go ahead and and you can stink again in 2022, and we'll go. We'll we're, we'll transition to 2023. They're, they're not going to do that. So I I do think I would go over there. I think the angle there too is that uh, you know if you're trading up to get a quarterback in the first round, like you're not having to trade up to two or to three. Like you might only need yeah. to be trading Great up to point. 27 or whatever. And there are these teams between the Lions, the Panthers, the Steelers, the Falcons. Uh, the Seahawks, like there are even the Saints, you could argue, would be right. Despite having Jameis there, I don't think he's necessarily the long term answer. So they might be in the mix as well. So there are a lot of teams that you would expect would have interest in in Desmond Ritter and, and Matt Corral type of guys and, and, you know, might not have to give up too much to move up to, you know, a pick in the 20s. Yeah, speaking of the Saints, the other day, a really good New Orleans columnist, Jeff Duncan, reported that McKinney Pickett could be the guy for the saints and maybe the guy they made and when they, the guy they had in mind when they made that trade with the Eagles and you know, we're going to see, that's another great point, Jay. Like I feel like we're going to see one or two teams that maybe we didn't necessarily, it, may, it won't be like insane if they take a quarterback. 
there's maybe one or two teams where, like where we really didn't consider quarterback like their most likely day one pick, and they come out of it with a quarterback. Definitely, and you know we've seen we saw the Niners take Trey Lance third and then sit him for a year. So I definitely think that you know Jameis Winston is not a roadblock against drafting a quarterback in the first round if you think that's your guy. At the same time, I think I'm higher on Jameis Winston than most people, and I think that uh, had he not gotten hurt, I think the Saints definitely would have made the playoffs. And uh, you know, with that defense, they could have, they could have won a playoff game or two. Difficult with their wide receivers uh, and the Michael Thomas situation, but you know, I think that's why they made that that trade uh, with the Eagles. Is that you know, the NFC is, despite Brady coming back, is still relatively wide open uh, in ways that perhaps it hasn't been previously. With Green Bay losing Devontae Adams, on uh, the Rams losing some key pieces. Who knows about the Niners? I mean, the Niners are a top three favorite in the conference and don't know, don't even know if their quarterback is any good <laughs> or who it is. So I think that's why teams like the Saints are going a little bit more all in than they might otherwise. Yeah, you mentioned Trey Lance sitting for a year. Like the Packers are just going to sit Jordan Love for the rest of his earth. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you might not even need a quarterback anymore to take a quarterback in the first round. So hey. Jay receiver receiver almost has the opposite problem of quarterback where there's a lot of really good guys. There's a lot of like first round quality guys. But I feel like a lack of clarity on just like who is the best. It sort of seems like Garrett Wilson has emerged as like the consensus. Number one at this point is, is that true? And I believe your, your wide receiver over under for the first round is five and a half. So is Garrett Wilson, you, you would say the safest bet for the first receiver off the board. And how do you feel about that 5.5 number? Yeah, so the over there is now heavily juiced where it's minus 300. So expecting a lot of receivers in the first round. And and you're right, Garrett Wilson, he has separated himself a little bit where he is the favorite to be the first wide receiver off the board. At the same time, he is only plus 150 in that market. So that means we think that he's a, a 40% chance to be the first wide receiver off the board. That still is a higher chance than anyone else, we think. Drake London has made a huge move. Uh, and also Jamison Williams has two. So they're now both plus 200 to be the first wide receiver off the board. And they're probably the two biggest threats to Garrett Wilson. But right now, I think there is a bit of, bit of separation between Wilson uh, and the pack. And then we'll get you out of here on this one, Jay. We're talking about, I like, everything's uncertain this year. But... Who, whose market has moved the most during this pre-draft process? Is it is it Trayvon Walker, maybe the obvious answer? Is it someone maybe like Sauce Gardner? Is it someone maybe like Kyle Hamilton from like a negative perspective, where I feel like his market's kind of like cratering a little bit? Like who, who's been like the toughest player to price and to see who has moved the most so far this spring? Yeah, well, you're right. Trayvon Walker, this is a total mess from a bookmaking perspective. It's just a complete um, catastrophe in terms of where that market opened and where it is now. I mean, his over-under for where he was going to go was it was pick eight and a half, and now it's two and a half, which is a, just a quantum leap for these types of markets. So that's the big one. And then the the other one, which you mentioned too, is, is Source Gardner, um, where he opened at eight and a half. Now he's down to seven and a half. And the under is is heavily juiced there where, you know, we're expecting that, you know, he will be the first cornerback drafted. Um, a lot of buzz around him and expecting at this point that it'd be very unlikely if he falls out of the top seven. Do you think Kyle Hamilton will be a top 10 pick or is that trending in the wrong direction? 
it's definitely trending in the wrong direction at the same time like when he has that kind of pedigree he can't slide too far it's kind of similar to you know with Kayvon Thibodeau where that you know he was favorite to be the first pick not that long ago uh towards the end of the college season he was minus 110 to go first and now uh, for reasons I don't entirely understand, he's just nowhere in that conversation. You know, at the same time, his over-under is, well, it, it would have been one and a half, um, you know, a few months ago. Now it's five and a half. So he's a big mover too. But, you know, these guys, they, they slide. They slide very quickly. And it usually happens with, with quarterbacks where, you know, this time last year, it seemed like Mac Jones was just going to go three. Kyle Shanahan was... I just made up his mind and that Mac Jones... Are we bullied him? Yeah. And then you guys changed the market and then Mac <laughs> yeah. Jones ended up going, what did he go, 15th? Uh, well, 15th. So, yeah. yeah. So these things can change pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Malik Willis was, was, was <laughs> talked about as, as, you know, oh, maybe he's a first rounder. You, you never, you know, and I mean, people were saying that back in like February and March, like, oh, well, you never know. He could sneak into the first round. Now, now we're talking about, oh, is he a top... Pick. Might go second. Might go second. Might go second? Yeah. Yeah, what would be better for you guys if there were five first round quarterbacks or zero first round quarterbacks? Does that, does that question even make sense? Yeah, it, for us, it would probably be better if there's zero, just because people always regress their opinions to thinking that, that someone's going to get a quarterback. And so I think that, you know, people will be betting on, you know, teams like the Steelers and the Panthers to draft a quarterback. And if it just, goes and goes and goes and goes and all of a sudden we're at pick 30 and there's been no quarterback taken and that's probably going to be good for us anything that goes against what you know the public consensus will be uh is generally good for us that's why you know we always cheer against the dodgers and the yankees uh and, and the green bay Packers. much yeah exactly so uh yeah we we generally hope for uh for chaos and uh and the favorites to go down that makes a lot of sense. And I think you might get your wish for chaos because I, so I, I don't even know. I could barely even remember who Trayvon Walker was yeah. like two weeks ago. Yeah. And like now, yeah, he's like a guy with like 10 career sacks is extra number one. It's he is very toolsy, but yeah, it's just truly unbelievable. I think a lot will probably change between now and next Thursday. Just really, really great stuff. Jay, always great stuff at points, bet. Thank you so much for joining us. Check out Jay on Twitter at CroucherJD, correct? That's your, yeah, yeah, right That's there. it. It's on the screen. I can see it. At CroucherJD on Twitter. Just always awesome stuff. Thank you so much for joining us, Jay. I guess, Denny, thanks for joining us. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, uh, yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. We, uh, thank you, Jay, for joining us. Thanks, yeah, Pat. Just, thanks, Denny. You're welcome. Keep it locked to NBCSportsEdge.com. Between now and the draft, we're going to have lots of awesome content. Mocks, drafts, rumors, blurbs, articles, you name it. So keep it there. For Jay, for Denny, I'm Pat. We'll catch you later this week. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. 
That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash Active Cash.